Nishma Sibeh Hawa 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos, Zos Chanukah. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
sasain vesimcha sasain vesimcha hasan vekarna kimarina titzavchetpa ava veachva vishalaim vireyos asher bara sasain vesimcha Sasain v'simcha chasan v'kana Gila harina titza v'chedva Ava v'achva v'shalayn
Shabbos Shabbos Lechi Venay Lechu Ki Mekoira Beruchu Mai Roish Mikedem Nesichu Soif Mase Bemach Shuvut Chilu Likrat Shabbos Lechi Venay Lechu Da-da-da! 
J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Zos Chanukah. Today is the final day of Chanukah, 5781. How do you like that? Yibana, done by Botkol. You heard Light Up. That was a New York boys choir. Jep with Imein Anili Mili. Likrat Shabbat, done by Shlemi Toisig. Shalshelis Jr. at Alanisim. Final day, we'll be saying Alanisim. Asher Baro, done by Shalshelis. Moshav Band had both Bowie. And Vishamru, and of course, Regesh, Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. Welcome to a Friday on this December the 18th, day three in the month of Teves, the year 5781. Zos Chanukah. Today is the eighth day of Chanukah. Final day for Alanisim. Special Torah reading, and really a special Torah reading today, the Zos Chanukah Tamizbeach Torah reading. And it is the Erev Shabbos Parshas Miketz. With the candle lighting time in New York at 4.10. 4.10, your candle lighting time. Make sure you know when things start where you are. A rarity, Parshas Miketz, is not Shabbos Chanukah. And Rabbi David Heber, our calendaric consultant, will be on at 7.15 Eastern time this morning to discuss it. I know, I know. We We wondered if we'd be able to make time for Rabbi Heber. But in this case, I think the audience demanded it. So we did make time. The 7 o'clock hour, he'll be joining us. And we'll talk about the Parshas Miketz not being Shabbos Hanukkah. And I'm sure we'll talk about a few other things as well, knowing us. Uh, next Friday is Asar Bateves. A week from today is a fast day. Asar Bateves, 26 degrees, 75% humidity. Winds are north at 2 miles per hour. Partly cloudy with a high of 33. Then tonight, clear and a low of 18. Wow. Tomorrow, mostly sunny and a high temperature, 32 degrees. 60 right now in Yerushalayim, 26 here in New York City. Just spoke to Simon. He's in Jerusalem. Said it's 60, but it feels like 70. Said it's an absolutely beautiful day in Jerusalem on this era of Shabbos. We have 26 here in New York City. As we say good morning here at JM in the AM. Uh, we'll uh, have Harry Rothenberg at 7.05. We'll have Rabbi Heber at 7.15. We'll have Malcolm Holmline at 7.40. Uh, Rabbi Yudin coming up at about 8.15. Rabbi Tzvi Gluck will join us, help wrap up the week by talking about what's happening Sunday and Monday with Amudim. It's all going on, everybody, here on JM in the AM between now and 9 a.m. I don't know how we pack so much stuff into uh, such a short amount of time. Trucker Yitz and Avrami are having quite a conversation on our uh, app comments on the NSN app. Trucker Yitz says, it's interesting to have an Arab Shabbos show by Nahum Siegel, and yet how many countries can't listen to it, like New Zealand, Australia, Hong Kong, because uh, it's already Shabbos there. Then Trucker Yitz wanted to know what time Shabbos starts in the UAE. Well, I don't know when sunset is today in the UAE. That's a good question. Let's see. Dubai, sunset. So it says here that it's 5.33 p.m., which means that uh, they'll light candles in Dubai let's say at about 5.15, 
uh, this afternoon, and that means that here in the uh, New York area, it'll be about 8.15, right? Right, 5.15 is 8.15. So they're about two hours away from the start of Shabbos in Dubai. Uh, and then Avrami says the first run of the Arab Shabbos show is Thursday night at 7 New York time. Perfect timing for our brothers and sisters in Australia to enjoy on Arab Shabbat. And that is correct. And I thank Avrami for that. And a big thank you to the uh, people at Kedem. They bring you the Arab Shabbos show. And a big thank you to Mark Zamek. He hosts the Arab Shabbos show. And you literally can hear it at 7 p.m. Eastern time Thursday night, 3 a.m. Eastern time Friday morning. I know that listener Panina in Petach Tikva was listening to it in the 3 a.m. slot while she was cooking for Shabbat in Petach Tikva. And 10 a.m. Uh, this morning, Eastern Time on Erev Shabbos. All brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Our Erev Shabbos music mix brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That's all day long. And at uh, about 3 p.m., our final hour brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. And that is a final hour specially designated for each specific week prepared by Mark Zamek, and it is archived, which means you can go, and if you start Shabbos early, right, compared to us, like let's say you're starting Shabbos in Israel, you can go and you can download the final hour for this week, and you can listen to it in your final hour before Shabbos, even though we haven't had our final hour yet, because our final hour will be at 3 p.m. Eastern time. So we are trying our hardest to make all of this great original programming as accessible as possible, and frankly, as wonderful as possible. And um, and that's that. You know, that's really the whole, that's, that really sums it up. That's what we're trying to do. And that's what we're trying to do always, make things as easy as possible and as wonderful as possible for the listeners. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, 20 minutes to go before uh, 7 o'clock as we continue on this Erev Shabbos. And um, this is a brand new one, or I should say a brand new cover from Jonathan Rimberg and Chaim David Burson at JM in the AM. Shayarot levanot chosrot mi bet kneset Vehareach shesoret li et Mitganev, mitganev, upoteach tlato El osher katar, el otor shir yashan Sheover etzleinu b'meshech dorot Matanot ktanot Mishahu shalach matanot ktanot Rizisim shel kalvana Igulim shel emuna Matanot ktanot Mishahu shalach matanot ktanot Kmo koach lekabel Et ma she'en, et ma she'yesh Ma od efshar kvar Zeodiomshishi, <laughs> 
I used to think I knew it all How to handle every hurdle, big and small mm, Blind to the internal In my world of the external I stood tall I used to think I was my work Coming home was just a perk And my future was safe and secure Yeah, life was good, I was on a roll Loading cruise control ensure that this all would endure But the illusions are gone The curtain's been drawn My mask though it tries cannot disguise That it's you when no rhyme or reason can go For it's you in all time and each season I know And you never leave us all to chance I've learned how to let go, how to cherish the eternal through the flow of my faith that does embrace me. In its space, I see so clearly how my soul it glows. And home is where the holy is, where we love and we forgive. Build the home that he seeks and desires. Every life tells its own tale. Any deep can tip the scale, bring yourselves down of gold and of fire. The illusions are gone, the curtain's been drawn. My mouth's though it tries, cannot disguise that it's you when no rhyme or reason can go. For it's you in all time and each season, I know. And you never leave us all. Come 5781, may all of our pain be healed. In the rise of its dawn, a new light is born. May your glory be known and revealed. Cause it's you when no rhyme or reason can go. For it's you in all time and each season, I know. And you never leave us all to chance And with you the world will yet have its dance Cause it's you when no rhyme or reason can go For it's you in all time and each season I know And you never leave us all to chance And with you the world will yet have, yet have its dance J.M. in the A.M. Friday morning era of Shabbos. It's you, done by Ruvi New. Abe Cohen with Shabbos, the Partners in Torah uh, selection that was um, that introduced the uh, three-week curriculum uh, that Partners in Torah put together for the study about Shabbos. 
<clears throat> you can go to partnersintorah.org, partnersintorah.org slash Shabbat, partnersintorah.org slash Shabbat for information about that. And those of you who want to become a mentor or a student in the Partners in Torah system, it's an amazing way to uh, reconnect or establish an even stronger connection to your heritage and tradition. Go to partnersintorah.org, partnersintorah.org for all the information, or call 1-800-STUDY-42, 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and then the number two. Uh, Zusha had Chanukah is here. Matanot Ketanot done by Jonathan Rimberg and Chaim David Burson. It's a Friday. Zos Chanukah, final day of Chanukah 5781. On this area of Shabbos Parsha's Mikates, Rabbi David Heber, our calendaric consultant, is going to join us coming up. He is uh, going to be on in about 15 minutes from now on this area of Shabbos Parsha's Mikates. <clears throat> a rarity that we actually read the Haftorah for Mikates this Shabbos. Candle lighting at 410 in New York. And Friday, a week from today, is a fast day. Asura Bateves, keep that in mind. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. 26 degrees, partly cloudy, a high of 33. It's cold here in the New York area. A little bit of snow on the ground. That was from yesterday's storm. Yerushalayim is at 60. We're at 26 in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Want to remind everybody that all 3,000 titles from Art Scroll, they are available at 20% off, no minimum, and free shipping with promo code radio. Go to artscroll.com. Go to artscroll.com. Every one of the 3,000 titles, free shipping, 20% off, no minimum. Go to artscroll.com and use promo code radio at artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio. Smart shoppers use promo code radio. <laughs> Simple as that. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday. Arab Shabbos is next. We say Boker Tov from Jam in the AM. Galitzal, Shashtayim. Shalom Rav, Khan El Azar Ben Lulu, Im Mashakoriach Shav. אסון ביישוב אילות שבגליל, תינוק כבן שנה וחצי נהרג מפגיעת כלי הרכב בו נהג סבו. מחקירה ראשונית עולה כי הנהג נסע לאחור ופגע בפעות. כתבנו קובי מנדל מוסר שהפעות פונה לבית החולים בנצרת, שם נאלצו הרופאים לקבוע את מותו. הזינוק בתחלואה ממשיך משרד הבריאות מעדכן על 2,809 מאובחנים חדשים לנגיף קורונה מאתמול. שיעור הנדבקים החיוביים עומד על 3% ו-6 עשיריות האחוז. בתוך כך ועדת השרים לקורונה צפויה לאשר ביום ראשון את תוכנית הריסון המהודק, שכוללת הגבלות משמעותיות וסגירת המסחר. כך מעדכנת כתבתנו המדינית מוריה אסרף וולברג. מנות החיסון הראשונות של חברת פייזר הגיעו לבית החולים שיבא בתל השומר, שם התחסנו מחר עם צאת שבת ראש הממשלה נתניהו ושר הבריאות אדלשטיין. מוקדם יותר, ראש שירותי בריאות הציבור במשרד הבריאות, הדוקטור שרון אלרועי פרייס, אמרה לאמיר בר שלום בגלי צה"ל, על אף שנתחיל את החיסונים כבר בשבוע הבא, אנחנו נראה את היעילות ככל המוקדם בחודש מרס. ביום ראשון יחוסנו הצוותים הרפואיים, ואזרחים בני 60 ומעלה יוכלו להתחסן כבר מיום שני. ראשי השלטון המקומי חיים ביבס ושי חג'אג' בפנייה לממשלה אל תסגרו את החינוך עבור מאות אלפי התלמידים. המשיכו בלימודים בכלל הערים, זו חובתנו. כתבנו לענייני חינוך דורון קדוש מזכיר שקריאה זו מגיעה ברקע ההחלטה כי 220 אלף תלמידי כיתות ה' עד י"ב לא ישובו ללימודים ביום ראשון. בתי הספר ב-21 יישובים אדומים ו-39 כתומים יישארו סגורים למשך שבוע ימים. 
תצלומי לוויין מאיראן חושפים עבודות במתקן הגרעין התת-קרקעי בפורדו, כך מפרסמת סוכנות הידיעות AP. המתקן, שמטרתו עדיין לא ידועה, נחשף בשנת 2009 ונמצא באבטחה כבדה, עד היום איראן לא התבטאה בגלוי לגביו. המשלחת האיראנית לאו"ם לא הגיבה לפרסום. ובתוך כך מוקדם יותר נועד שר הביטחון בני גנץ עם ראש המטות המשולבים של צבא ארצות הברית, הגנרל מרק מילי, יחד עם הרמטכ"ל רב-אלוף אביב כוכבי. גנץ אמר, נפעל בשותפות למול כל תרחיש בחזית האיראנית, נעבוד יחד כדי להתמודד עם האיומים המשותפים שלנו בכדי לשמור על היציבות במזרח התיכון. מדברי גנץ הביא כתבנו לענייני צבא וביטחון צחי דבוש. המשטרה פשטה על מסיבת טבע בהשתתפות 60 צעירים סמוך למצפה רמון. כתבנו בדרום רמי שני מוסר שהמשטרה חילקה דוחות למשתתפים ועיכבה לחקירה את אחד המארגנים. מזג האוויר במהלך יום עדיין צפוי גשם מקומי קל, בעיקר במרכז הארץ ובנגב, תחול עלייה קלה בטמפרטורות שתימשך גם מחר. ואלה זמני כניסת השבת, פרשת מקץ. בירושלים שתי דקות לפני ארבע, בתל אביב תיכנס השבת בארבע ותשע עשרה, בחיפה בארבע ושבע דקות, ובבאר שבע תיכנס השבת בארבע עשרים ואחת. ואלה זמני צאת השבת מחר, בירושלים בחמש ושמונה עשרה דקות, בתל אביב בחמש ותשע בחיפה בחמש ושבע עשרה, ובבאר שבע תצא השבת בחמש עשרים ואחת. לכל מאזיננו שבת שלום, אלה החדשות.
J.M. in the A.M. Atata, done by uh, Avramel, Avram Freed. Harry Rothenberg has words about Parsha's Miketz. Here he is at J.M. in the A.M. Last week, I got to check something off of my lifetime bucket list. A friend of mine got an invite to the White House Hanukkah party and took me along as a plus one. Now, it doesn't matter if you really like the current occupant of the White House and you're going to miss him, or whether you're looking forward to the new occupants coming in. One thing's clear. That house is the locus, the focus of the most intense power that exists anywhere. The U.S. president is the most powerful person alive. The party itself was a hoot. The Marine Corps band was playing klezmer music. Many of the rooms were open so that you could gawk at their beauty, at their majesty, their pageantry. All the food was glott kosher under the supervision of a prominent rabbi who happens to be a childhood friend of mine. And I managed to snag a pretty cool souvenir, a White House yarmulke. But for me, the highlight was the impromptu prayer service. It was the afternoon. We had to pray mincha before sundown. We couldn't all fit in the same room at the same time because of social distancing requirements, so we took turns. The White House that afternoon turned into a minion factory. What was so powerful? is that while I was praying, I was thinking, I'm standing in the home of the most powerful person in the world, and yet, God, I'm telling you that I don't trust my eyes. I realize that that's not where real power lies. I know who really runs the world, and it's you. It was a truly unique opportunity to remind myself of that fact, that all-important fact. And maybe that can help us understand one of the scenes in this week's Torah portion, Joseph. Yosef is taken out of the dungeon. He's brought to the palace to meet Paro, Pharaoh himself. Paro, who's had some dreams that are driving him crazy, says to him, I've heard it said that you can listen to a dream and interpret it. And he says back to Paro, shockingly, not me. God will respond to the request of Paro. You read that passage and you say, Yosef, what are you doing? You want your head to be handed to you? Just say, how can I help you, your excellency? What is he doing? In part, maybe he feels that he's got an obligation to introduce Paro to God. But I'm thinking it's more. He may realize on the spot that he's in an incredibly unique opportunity to remind himself, don't trust your eyes. You see all this glitter and all this wealth and all this opulence and you can feel the power emanating from Paro, the most powerful person in the world, but that's not where real power lies. The real power in the world comes from God, comes from upstairs. And maybe that's what we should be thinking every Hanukkah, which just so happens every year to fall out during Yosef's story, while we're lighting those menorahs in our front window. It's not just to tell passers-by that this is a Jewish home. It's so that we can take that opportunity to remind ourselves whether all of our neighbors are Jewish or none of them are. When we light that candle in our front window or in front of our house, I'm Jewish and I'm proud and I was put here with a mission to properly, beautifully 
represent God's presence in the world, to make him known to others, and to constantly sanctify his name and always remember that the real power in the world comes from him. He makes the decisions. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you, Jesus. Chaim tovim, yamim yafim, parnus izgit, afilu chovshal efamim. Yeladim hivim lanu nachat larov, kulam brim yesh machot. J.M. and the A.M., uh, Enod Milvado, that's Mordechai Shapiro. Rabbi David Heber is with us, and I know that that excites a lot of people. It's really this audience, by the way, that insisted we get Rabbi Heber on this week. <laughs> we, we had done a comprehensive look at the year 5781 with him uh, a couple of uh, months back. Uh, but with this whole thing about Parsha's Mikates and the rarity of the Haftorah being read, everyone, or at least many of Rabbi Heber's fans, the people that love the calendaric trivia, insisted we get him on. So we made time this morning, even though it's a 
a tight Friday. Uh, Rabbi David Heber, of course, is spiritual leader of Kahal Avas Yisrael Tzemach Tzedek in Baltimore, Kasha's administrator at the Star K, and our calendaric consultant. Rabbi David Heber, welcome back to JM and the AM, and happy Zos Chanukah to you. You too, Afel Chanukah, to your listeners, a good night of Shabbos. Always nice to be on with you. I um, I also heard yesterday that um, that when we spoke to our Mayor Pasternak on the air yesterday about the free Art Scroll Sitter app, he said you had a role in uh, in double checking a lot of different things that uh, went into that sitter app. So you were mentioned during yesterday's show as well. Well, yeah, that was fascinating work. It's very um, you know the Art Scroll Sitter is is unique in that it it flashes up Yalvi Yava you know on Rosh Chodesh. Right. And, it makes it very convenient, so we, we got to check it over a little bit. I mean, the things they to- that he told me yesterday on the air, I mean, the, the, the laning for that day comes up. I mean, today, today's laning will come up, right? And it's rare that we lane on a Friday, Rabbi Heber, right? It's got to be Rosh Chodesh or Yontiv in order to lane on a Friday. Uh, one of the things I learned from your shear, and by the way, the shear, you can give me the exact title. It's on TorahAnytime.com, but it's a shear that specifically, am I right in the title it mentions Parshas Miketz with the Haftorah? I think so. Correct. Yeah. Correct. It's the twenty. It's been twenty years. Uh, you know, is is Mikates the rarest Haftira? Right. And what, um, and one of, and we'll talk about that in a second. One of the things I learned yesterday was what days of the week are treated well when it comes to Torah reading, and what days of the week are not. I also learned. I also learned how those from Shevet Levi um, uh, sometimes dominate the Aliyahs. Not not usually. Believe it or not, people might think they do. But sometimes dominate the aliyahs, and in fact, uh, the Israels, um, uh, 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 a method has been created in our tradition to make sure that plenty of Israels get aliyahs as well. You got to, folks, go to TorahAnytime.com and look at my Hebrew about Parsha's BKs and the 20 years since the Haftorah and all that, because today we're going to concentrate on that. But there's so many other things I learned from that Shear of my Hebrew, and I found them fascinating. You know how much I love this stuff. So, I, I, I'm, first of all, you, you have to answer a question for me Am I right or wrong? That that when when we grew up, the the thought was always that Parshas Re'eh had the shortest of Torah. Am I right about that? That that was always the 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 rumor around Torah trivia was that Re'eh so was. It's the, you mentioned that my father, Oliver Shalom, who really got me interested in this topic originally, he told me that Rani Akara is the shortest of Torah, which is which is Kiseitse. Right. And, and then, and then I looked uh, many years later after my father passed away. I noticed that Halakim which is the Haftarah for Parshas Achreimais, uh, um, is only nine psukim, and Rani Akara is ten psukim. I think I have, I think I have that correct. Um, and and I, I wondered. My father told me it's the shortest, and and yet it seems like there's a shorter Haftarah. So I said, Oh, I know what my father meant. He meant words. So I counted the words, and indeed, <laughs> Rani Akara was, is, I think, two words. Again, I, I did this a while back. Right. So Re'e Rani Akara. So Re'e was, Re'e was never in the equation. I, I, I was completely, I, I, I was completely mis- so. I was completely misinformed when I went to yeshiva. <laughs> I don't think so. I, don't, I mean, I have it, a friend, a friend who grew up. We grew up together. Um, his name is Mike Greenwald. We were very close friends. We were great at partner elementary school. His bar mitzvah parsha was Re'e. And but it was it was Rishchai, uh, it was no, it was Chais, but they lined the Haftira. He he lined beautifully, right? And I remember the Pazer like almost broke the windows by uh <laughs> um you know at the Anshalish Regal in Bashana. Right. 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 And, and and then he ever laned every Yontif. And did you know what he did? He was Mice and Nefesh. He moved to Yisrael, and I told him, Mike, 
you're never going to lane this again, except Re'e, because in Eretz Yisrael, they don't lane Yantif uh, Re'e. Only in right. Chutzlars we lane it. right. Wow. What a Moisir Nefesh is right. But, but <laughs> Re'e is among the shorter ones in the Haftorahs, right? Like, I'm not completely... Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Just want to make absolutely. sure I'm not completely crazy. Um, and, uh, all right, so let's get to let's get to what everyone's talking about. Uh, tomorrow is Parsha's Miketz. It's funny. I look at the Luach just to see, you know, what the story is with tomorrow. And me and Ben Shabbos Miketz looks so empty. Usually it's so full with so much going on, and there's nothing happening. It's amazing. Uh, and one of the reasons, of course, is Hanukkah is over, and you explain in the Shir why Hanukkah is over before Miketz. Usually Shabbos Parshas Miketz is Shabbos Hanukkah, but and we'll do we'll try to do this quickly. If you look at the calendar, it, it makes sense because Rosh Hashanah, excuse me, Simchas Torah rather. Uh, well, why don't you do this? Go ahead. Tell us when Simchas Torah was Fine. this year. No, you're good. You're good. Simchas Torah was a Sunday this year, and therefore we didn't lane Bereshis. We got a late start, shall right. we say. Right. So we're laning. So Bereshis started late. Uh, usually, there's, there's about 10 weeks between Simchas Torah and the end of Hanukkah. So we almost, not quite 10 weeks, but almost. So we usually fit in Mikates. But when, when Simchas Torah is a Sunday, so now Bereshis is a late start. Now, if Cheshvan had had 30 days, which does happen. Um, then we would have we would have had the last today. The last day of Hanukkah would be um, would be Parshas Miketz. So we have that sometimes. Hasn't been for a while. Two right. Shabbos Miketzes, two Shabbos Hanukkahs by Yeshua and then Miketz. But because we had one last day in Cheshvan, so now that means we're even running later, and therefore Miketz crosses the line and goes over. The end of Hanukkah and therefore falls out the day after Hanukkah right. instead of instead of on Hanukkah. Therefore, we had the, we have this pretty rare phenomenon. It's it's only happened um, a few times really in our lifetime. It, it happens um, it happened in seventy the end of seventy two, and it happened uh, it happened the end of seventy six as well. And um, actually, that weekend I remember very well. And I, it's very interesting, Cheshvan, which is a little side story, which at the end, if you want to hear that weekend, um, that happened. And a really beautiful story that happened that weekend. And um, let's see, it, it's happened a couple other times since then. So again, it just doesn't happen. So the last doesn't time, all that often. Last time it happened was uh, 1997, right? Excuse me. It was 96, no. then it was 96, then it was 2000. Then 2000. So it was only right. fourth time. Right. 2000 is the last um, time it happened. It'll happen again three years from now, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, 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 just uh, everyone. Will, we'll, we'll come on the air again. Emir Tashem, and that'll be the last time this Jewish century that it happens. Right, three years from now will be the last time in this Jewish century, in the fifty seven hundred fifty eight oh one. Right, then it'll be right. seventeen years later. Right, so um, it's really, it's it's it's, it's infrequent. It could right. go it could go twenty four years actually. It can uh, go twenty four years. And this is I, I, I this is not the same cycle as the as the nineteen year cycle of two others, right? This is completely separate and different. It has nothing to do Correct. with it. Correct. Okay. Not really right. It's not really a cycle. It's really you you just you know, the years come out where you have this this phenomenon. You have right. Rosh Hashanah on a Shabbos and you have a Chaser, which means twenty nine right. days of Cheshvan. Right. And then you get that's gonna cause Hanukkah on Friday, which itself is also, you know, interesting to right. get two Fridays. Um, someone pointed out, and then I saw they got it from your shear because someone pointed that to me yesterday, and then I heard the shear last night that that our laning yesterday on Thursday was pretty rare because usually the Thursday of Hanukkah you won't have the seventh and eighth of the Nesiyim. You'll have your Rosh Chodesh included, right? Usually it's Rosh Chodesh or it's Shabbos Hanukkah. The seventh day could be Shabbos Hanukkah, so it's a rarity. Correct. E- even yesterday's Correct. laning was a rarity, and obviously 
tomorrow is going to be strange and that we take out only one Torah on Parshas Mikes. But, you know, before, and I know that Kedoshim is even more rare, and those of you who hear the shear from Rabbi Heber, you'll see that Mikates, again, to have the Mikates have Torah is rare. To have the Kedoshim have Torah, Parshas Kedoshim is the rarest of all the quote-unquote, you know, weekly Parsha have Torah. So you'll, you'll hear that. In fact, you said that if someone actually laned a specific year, I forgot what year it was, if they laned for their bar mitzvah and had the Haftorah of Kedoshim, they would have to wait till the age of 57 before they could say that Haftorah again. It's possible. It's possible. Right. That's the max. Because you could go 44 right. years right. without without that Haftorah, which is uh, amazing. Again, that Haftorah, though, here I think I think the Mikates has more fanfare for a couple reasons. Hanukkah. Number one, oh, yeah. it's a Hanukkah. It's the end of Hanukkah. Right. You actually laned, I didn't mention this, you lane three weeks in a row on Friday now. Right. Um, you have two in a row. And Sorry, then, Davis, right. You know, Kedoshim is also different than Hagim. Not everybody has it. Kedoshim, the rules of Kedoshim are complicated, and depending on different men Hagim of, of how to deal with it, because right. it, it, it's... Kedoshim just falls yeah. out. Nobody, nobody, wor- all over the place. nobody worries about that Haftorah until actually the Mafter has finished his Aliyah. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> here we talk yeah. about we talk about the Mikates one all year. Yeah. But I want to tell you my theory of why I think this Mikates phenomenon is so I don't want to say disturbing, but why it it, it it makes why why it creates a stir in the Jewish world. And I'll tell you why I think so. We have a mentality, and I think you've even confirmed for us that it's that in some cases it's I don't want to say Yarik Valyavra, but it's really important. We actually delay, and tell me if I'm wrong, we actually delay catching up Chutzla Aretz with Israel so that we can lane a specific parsha Dvarim before Tishabov. Correct? Am I right about that? That's, that's true, that is true. And that and, and true, to yes. me, to me, that is mind-boggling. That we would ever delay trying to be on the same page, so to speak, as our brothers and sisters in Israel. But again, this whole business of Bamidbar in Chutzlaritz is not always the case. Actually, sort of, sort of. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in here. There's two different to- topics. That is, you know, that you know, we delay so that we have the Torah falls out in the right place. Right. Dvarim is really answering a different question. Dvarim, Taisus asks a question. It is Chutzlaritz in Eretz Dvarim is like this, is that when Matis, there's years that Matis and Masse are together, and the Tzav and Vayelach are separate. Right. So Tysus and Megillah ask the question, which 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 people in Shul would ask, and you say, wow, there's a Tysus, unbelievable. It says, you know what, why don't we separate Matis and Masse, which are, you know, 100, 100 pesukim each, right. 100 and change. Especially with Tircha and Tzibura, Tircha and Tzibura, right? You right, want, right. And put, put the Tzav and together, which, right. are, which are 70, a grand total of 70, right. so it's more balanced. Instead, right. you have 240, 240, 244 pesukim, and then, and then later you're laying 40 and 30. Right. Right? Right. So that's really, that's not right. the Eretz Yisrael Chutzlar. Right. The, the delay that you're talking about is... We, we had a conversation in detail about this. Check the Nachum Siegel archive. Yeah, no, but... but, but and, and that is... I under, that's, that's the catch together. That's Mukul Kais. I understand, that's Kais I understand what you're saying, but remember, I am on the bandwagon and leading the charge that we should always try to catch up to Eretz Yisrael as soon as possible. That's my whole mantra. So, yeah, I hear what you're saying, that it's a different type of criteria that goes into the whole issue with Dvarim. I get that, but I, but that's why I'm saying that we, because of the rules of laning, because of the rules of how the calendar is set up, we see how important it is to lane a specific parsha again, by midbar before Shavuos, Dvarim before Tisha right, right. So we understand. Correct. So that's why I'm saying, so we have that whole mentality. So then we grow up, 
And Miketz is always Shabbos Hanukkah, right? Basically, you know, it's always Shabbos Hanukkah. And I think the it's hard for us to adjust. Wait a second. We know how important it is that these specific Shabbatot that are linked to our holidays take place before our holidays by Midbar Shavuos, Devarim Tishamav, etc. Absolutely. So how is it possible? How can we yeah. do this? We must rearrange the calendar to make sure Miketz is always Shabbos Hanukkah. That's where I think this whole thing comes I from. Good point. Yeah, that's where I think because I think the Jewish mentality is, wait a second. You can't just go ahead and adjust the calendar and read tomorrow's Haftarah as the regular Miketz Haftarah. It has to be Shabbos Hanukkah. It's our tradition. It's the it's the way it's always done. I think that's where this. I think that's where the fascination with this whole topic because of the calendar this year comes from. That's my uh, that's my whole take on it. Good point. You know the Haftarah is about also. It's one of the most famous stories in Tanakh. That's the you, you, you mentioned so in the year. That's the uh, split the baby. Shlomo Melch split the baby. Split the baby. Right. There's another thing I forgot to mention, but at the, and I, I I had this on my, my back of my mind and I couldn't place it till uh, till I was preparing my drasha. So I'll give away. It's a him. <laughs> the beginning of of the haftarah is a pasuk that says that that Shlomo Melch made a suda. That's because he had he had he had given the brach before the haftarah earlier in Malachim, right before the, the landing of haftarah, the pesukah before. Talk about how Shlomo was given wisdom, and in honor of that wisdom, he made a suda. And this is the the medrash in beginning of Kahelis, and medrash Rabbah beginning of Kahelis also Shirashirim says that this is one of the makiris that when you finish the Torah, you make a siyum. Oh, wow. you make a siyum. So Simchas Torah and a siyum. And guess what? I, I just thought this is the first time I'm saying this in public on your show, and that is that tomorrow is the first anniversary of the big Siyam Hashas that we had a year ago. <laughs> and that, and, and we're reading the Haftarah that the Medrash brings a raya from the Pasuk right at the beginning to make a Siyam. That Siyam Hashas was on the 4th of Teves? Correct. Last year, New Year's Day. Everybody remembers it was New Year's Day, right. but the Hebrew Day 4th of Teves. Wow. So, so we're, 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 chazing, uh, we're chazing over that important point. And the question is, why did Shleimah... What was the big deal? Like he didn't really make a seum. This is a beautiful shot and seum. That he didn't really make a seum. He he made a seum of wisdom. That's not a seum. Right? right? You got to go learn. Right. So the answer is he had the potential, and that's very interesting. When you make a seum, you really have the potential to learn more. I, I always, when you first learn, if, if you if you learn through, you know, Tafiyami and then or, or, or any any gemaras, and then all of a sudden you come back to brachas again. It's a new world. You that, know, that's it's a whole new world. That fits into the whole story through Moshe Feinstein telling the man to make a seum on one daf of Gemara. That exactly. Fits, that fits right. into the whole exactly. you know mentality that uh, that you're really celebrating yeah. the fact that you can go forward and learn more. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the beauty of uh, of, of, of Torah. It's just it's never ending. The more you know, the more you want to know. The more you know, the more you understand further. Yeah, and that's that's really embedded in the in the entire, of course. Can I ask you? Uh, can I ask you? I assume you study Dafyomi. Should I assume that or not? Yes. Yeah, can, I do. Can, do you I mind do. if I ask you a personally personal question? What year you started? Like, is it something that you okay. that you started recently, I, or something you did many many years ago? So I did one cycle. I, I, someone made a joke when I was in Kyle that he's going to finish Shas seven and a half years after he leaves Kyle, and I, I like that joke. So when I finished Kyle. Literally the weekend of, of <laughs> I was in the Kyle of San Diego, and uh, literally that weekend, Dafyam was starting Shkalim, that the Kyle was, uh, you know, actually unfortunately closed many years ago. I was actually to be part of it. It was wonderful in the years when it was there. So I started Shkalim, and then I went I went through that cycle, basically. And then after that, I stopped, and I restarted again um, 
the previous cycle, not not this past cycle, but uh, you know, you know, seven or eight years ago, whatever it was. Right. In other words, you've we, we, we you've, got into it. Right. And the Dafyomi uh, a method, you've completed shots at least two times, is basically the uh... more or less. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, the first uh, that first one, I kind of went out of order. It wasn't full cycle, but then I made up and, and so on. But basically, not now that I have less homework to do with the kids, so I was able to jump back <laughs> in. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, um, yeah. the, um, the the is it rare or not? And you probably know these percentages on the top of your head, not to put down the spot. But but many people feel. I know my children felt this way that this is an unusual Hanukkah because they believe that the majority of the time, Rosh Chodesh Teves is two days. True or false? That is true. That it is true. true? Is it's true? I'll tell you why because. Majority of the time, Rosh Chodesh Kislev is is one day, but you see, there's three types of years. They're not even evenly divided, but basically, you have what's called a Chaser, which is 29 and 29. Right. You have a you know, Cheshvan is 29 days, Kislev is 29 days, right. which is this year. You have a Kisidra 29 and 30, and then you have a a Sholem, which is both a 30. So now to get to get Rosh um, to get Rish Chaydish Tevis to have two days, you either a Kisidron's going to work, because it's 2930, or a Sholem's going to work. So now you got two thirds right off the bat of the types of years that right. bring you two days Rish Chaydish. Right. So the only year that you're going to have 29 days in, in Kislev is, is a Chaser. And in fact, Chaser is the least of the, of the, of the, of the, of the batch. So it would be like 20 um, to 30% of the time. Yeah, I could give you the exact number. <laughs> I have um, a feeling you could. <laughs> I have, but that I got to look up, and, and uh, the the rarity of that, we we can look that up. But so that's why, again, I mean, today's date is also very unique because the third of Teves is sometimes Hanukkah and sometimes not Hanukkah. I have a cousin that had a, a baby girl last night. Of course, I ran to look to see the bas mitzvah. In Twelve years will also have twenty nine days, but I said if a boy is born today. He's born on Hanukkah, but his bar mitzvah in 13 years is going to be the day after Hanukkah. Wow. Because the third of Teves, and, and someone's yard site has to be careful. If someone, um, uh, if someone has a yard site uh, where, where they were you know, passed away on the third of Teves, if someone died a year ago, um, they, were, they lived next door to our shul, and unfortunately they had no relatives in town and nothing, and... Um, it was a very sad story. We actually arranged for the Kfura through the Free Barrel um, Association here in Baltimore. And today is his yard site. Wow. But he, di- he died on... Hanukkah. Oh, no. He died, I, he died the day after Hanukkah. Right, he died the Hanukkah. night after Hanukkah, right. but his yard site's today. Wow. Um, you know, on Hanukkah. Anyway, Chaser is a total of about 25% of the years. Right. That's it. Kisidron is about uh, twenty, about twenty nine percent of the years, and the winner is the Shalim, which is uh, about forty five percent of the year. So you're going to get three out of four. Basically, you're going to get two days with Chaydish, Teves, and only one out of four. You're going to get you're going to get one, uh, you're going to get one day. And in fact, you will never have one day with Chaydish Teves two years in a row. Wow! You, you never have because you never have two chases in a row. You never you're never going to have that. So we already know that we have Musaf uh, three times next Hanukkah. Unless, unless they're two yeah, Shabbos yeah. Hanukkah. They're not two Shabbos right, Hanukkah next year. No, no, no. So next year we'll right. have, uh, Three we'll have two Musafs. And, um, and next Shabbos. year should be Shabbos. Yeah, so Shabbos. it'll be two. 
Oh, interesting. Next year's Torah, one of those years. Interesting. Next year's three Sifrei Torah. Interesting. Wow. Um, um, so, and Kisidron means that, so 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 Shvat's always one day Rosh Chodesh? And Shvat. Shvat's always one day Rosh Chodesh. And right. Shvat's, Kisidron I, means. So one second, so uh, you're right, one and then two and then one and then two. So so is Adar always two? So Adar's always two. And, and what's Adar Bet? Is Adar Bet always two? Also. It's also always two. two. Both Adars are always right. two. Which I guess makes sense. That's we should we, we want more days of Adar, don't we? I mean, we want you know Adar is exactly. always a great month. So. For sure, for sure. Well, well, the end of Adar is only twenty nine. The Adar itself is twenty nine days. Right. So you're gonna have you can have twenty. Shvat is always thirty days, and right. then you can have two days of Shchidish Adar, Adar Rishon, and then the extra Adar, which we'll have next year, is going to be thirty days. So Shchidish Adar Sheni is always going to have two days also. Right. So the Kasidron works in a in a regular year. It it, it toggles right. perfectly. Yeah, for, for our family, 30, for our family, 30, 30, everyone calls attention to it in our family because my father died on the twenty eighth of Adar one, so it's always you know. Oh, that's right. So sometimes his yard site is before Purim, and sometimes excuse me, sometimes his yard site is right before Purim, and sometimes his yard site is after Purim, Purim, sometimes right. after. Right. So that's a, uh, and if he would, and if it would have been, the, if the yard site would have been the next day, it would have been a bigger problem, because of the way Rosh Chodesh sometimes falls out. Right, the 29th of Adar Third. one. Would be his the yard 30, site. The thirtieth of other one. The thirtieth. The thirtieth. Right. The thirtieth of other one would have been the yard site, and that would have been a. Uh, that would have been a. Exactly. A, a real. Uh, a, deci- a, a real uh, halachic decision to uh, make sure that the yard site was observed properly, because you would actually observe the yard site, I guess, according to some, on Rosh Chodesh Nisan, right? Would that make sense? Or correct. Correct. The Machlokes right. says. Mishabru says, says the yard site is kept on. The first day of Rosh Chodesh Adar, but there are opinions that say Rosh Chodesh Nisan as well. Wow. But, uh, but the, the main opinions put it or put it earlier. All right, I'm way over time, yeah, but we, I'm giving you a chance for that story. You want to tell us that story? One big story. There's, there's the good news part of the story, and then there's one that you're going to be disappointed. You want to hear them both, or just the good? <laughs> yeah, news? go ahead, go for it. <laughs> in 1976, I saw there was a cousin's bris in Chicago, and I was in St. Louis Elementary School. We had vacation. My brother was at Chicago Tells. He told me, come to Chicago for Shabbos. Okay, Friday was the bris. Friday was the bris. Right. And, um, you know, that Daniel Friday was Shabbos. the last day of Hanukkah, like this year, right. 1976. Shabbos, I saw a chart in a shul. It was it was a shul in Chicago, by Rosenthal, or some shul in Chicago, and uh, California, I think, at Morris, I think, it's Shiva today, that building. And it was a chart there that intrigued me. Someone in Cleveland made a chart showing if you dive with a minion, these are how many mitzvahs you could do in a year. Wow. There were like tens of thousands. Wow. And of course, being an interest in numbers, yeah. I looked at it and I said, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to dive with a minion. I right? was a kid. Right? It was, it was right. just before, you know, it was, uh, I'm not going to give you exact age, but it right. was, uh, shall we say, around the bar mitzvah age. Right. And um, and it was, it was intriguing. And then it said, send away. There's an interesting part of the story as well. That it said, if you want this chart, you could send away for this chart to an address in Cleveland. There was mm-hmm. no name on this chart. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the number was sixty-eight thousand mitzvahs a year, or something like that. I, I don't have it in front of me, but it was an unbelievable number. With unmade, he actually counted how many rabbis in a year. A man of my heart, a man of my heart, right? It was amazing. I sent away a self. Remember the good old days. Self-addressed stamp envelope, right? Sent it in. He sent me the chart, and and I I said this is unbelievable. I started you know in St. Louis. There were not a lot of opportunities with Minyan. Most were early, and 
I mean, obviously in, in elementary school, right. at the Cedar Academy, they had, and I went there for shachos. But Mincha was, Mara was tricky because by the time I got home from school, you know, right. the only minion was yeshiva. Right. I started keeping standings, <laughs> right, for my baseball uh, interest of how many minions I got to. It became a fascination by me. Okay. Now roll up the clock, uh, I don't know, 30 years. I get an email from somebody, Rabbi, um, Rabbi Mann from Cleveland, who was the Balmusev in Tal's Cleveland, had passed away. And his family had sent someone in Baltimore the chart that his father had written many years ago. And someone emailed it to me and said, look at this interesting chart. You might be of interest. It might oh. be of interest to you. I said, oh, this chart, you don't understand. This chart had an unbelievable influence on, on, on my life. If Mamish got me, you know, Friday morning is in yeshiva, you know, the minion, you got to be there on time. Like there's no, there's no monkey business. Oh, wow. And anyway, so I wrote a, I wrote a, a note to the Mann family saying, you, you don't know what this, you know, your father passed away that year. This is a mice already from more than, well, more than 10 years ago. I said, you don't know what impact you had on this little kid in St. Louis who loved numbers, right? And that, that's the story. Unbelievable. Now, the second, part, the second part of that weekend was my brother arranged for me. He got me a ticket to the London School of Jewish Song concert in Chicago. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> On, on Wilson, and, 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 and uh, it was a high school building, okay? But here's the disappointing part. That was the last concert I've ever been to. Oh, my gosh. I know. you. I, was, we, I say this in public on we, the Malcolm Siegel show. We have to rectify that, Rabbi <laughs> Heber. <laughs> I've never been. I've never been. That was it. Nin- we, uh, 1976, London was my favorite choir. I still sing them when I'm in the run. But anyway, uh, I haven't really had an opportunity. St. Louis, you didn't have those kind of opportunities that you have on the East Coast, so. Never really panned out. Well, I knew you'd appreciate the story. All I know is that the next time we plan a concert for Baltimore, it's going to be sponsored by Kahal Avas Yisrael Tzemach Tzemach. That's all I know. And, and the rabbi's going to be asked to give the introductory words. <laughs> How do you like, okay. How do you like that? Rabbi they, David they have he- up there, yeah. <laughs> that could be. Uh, rabbi David Heber, everybody, our calendaric consultant. Thank you so much, Rabbi Heber. And a happy Hanukkah and a wonderful Shabbos Parshas Mikates. You too. Enjoy. Take care. Thank you for Hanukkah and a good Shabbos to everyone. A good Shabbos. Thank you so much. Ribono 
Shlomo Katz. Toda. My thanks, Rabbi Heber. Everybody enjoy Parsha's Miketz and the Haftorah for Miketz, which is a rarity. Um, I want to thank our friends at jewishworldview.com. Check it out, everybody, if you want thousands of articles about Israel and the Jewish world before Shabbos to print out and enjoy over Shabbos. Go to jewishworldview.com. You will have a, uh, a, a wonderful collection of great articles about what's happening in this uh, world of ours. Again, jewishworldview.com. Check it out and enjoy. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, candlelighting in New York at 410 on this Zos Hanukkah, last day of Hanukkah. Next Friday is a Sarabateves. Next Friday is a fast day, as Rabbi Heber said, three Fridays in a row that we lane. How do you like that?
Uh, just one of the quirks of this interesting 5781 calendar. Malcolm Honline is Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM and the AM. Yes, thank you. Good morning. Hope your Hanukkah is going well. It's going. Just a few hours. Yeah. Just a few hours left. Let's start with the good news. Hanukkah, especially, we love highlighting good news out there. For instance, an oil lamp workshop was found in Israel. That's approximately sixteen hundred years old. What do you think of that development this week? Well, it's one of a number of discoveries that were revealed. This one obviously has a special meeting during this week, but it was um, originally a cistern that, um, you know, where they collected water, and it, ultimately they developed a factory there for making uh, what they used to call getchka, you know, uh, uh, all sorts of human forms for uh, idol worship, because this was an area that when the Maccabees, um, d- during the revolt, the Romans took the Jews out of Beichan, what we know today as Beichan, right. and replaced them with people from Syria who were obviously idol worshippers. The Jews already had no longer any graven images after in the time of the first base of Mictish, they say they did, and the second time, the second they didn't. Um, and this was a factory where they would manufacture them, and you saw, you could see the molds, how they made many of the things. Some of them had Jewish motifs, which means that it was in different periods, and they um, they would use this big cistern as a waste dump. So they kept putting all of the broken molds or things that had been discarded or stored in this uh, cistern, which was discovered, if I remember correctly, in 1934 by a British uh, archaeologist. And then because of the war, it was all sealed up and ignored for 80-some years uh, until now it was reopened and rediscovered all of these things. Unbelievable. Well, that's one piece of good news. What do you think of the good news that Israel is uh, now officially uh, a friendly country, has diplomatic relations with Bhutan, a country that I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it properly, and a country I never heard of before last week. You've never been there? <laughs> never been Bhutan. There. Bhutan is a, a mini-empire. Uh, it's about 800,000 people, which means about a, a less than 10% of the size of Israel, which already tells you how small it is. And um, they've had long relations, commercial and other relations, and they, they only have diplomatic relations with about 50 countries, and uh, not even with the United States and some of the key European countries, but they do with Israel. So it, it is not insignificant. It's a Buddhist country, and I think we should uh, welcome it, along with, of course, the much bigger announcement of, of, uh, of Morocco. When were you in Bhutan? Which time? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I never miss it. <laughs> someone, someone sent me a picture of the country and said, okay, choose a place to broadcast from. I said, that one I don't know if we're going to do. I don't know if we're going to Bhutan. Uh, what do you hear about Pakistan? Because apparently there are rumors flying that Israel and Pakistan are, are on the road to normalization. Well, the Pakistanis deny it. Most officials deny it, although there clearly must have been some truth in the truth. What we hear is that the Saudis are are pushing it, that they did push the Moroccans or encourage the Moroccans and have encouraged the Pakistan. Pakistan would be a huge leap. And uh, I don't know if that's immediately in the offing. First, we have to see if Saudi Arabia will be in the offing. Vice President Pence is going to the region and going to, to do a tour 
um, much larger one, but he's going to stop in Israel. And the expectation was there would be some announcement. It could be that Israel will be coming under CENTCOM, which is a central command, from which had been barred before because the Arabs didn't want it. Uh, and now it seems they do, as they've come to realize that, that it will be a very important contributor to the regional security apparatus. And the head of CENTCOM, um, by the way, the previous head of CENTCOM is going to be the new minister, uh, secretary of defense, uh, Austin. Uh, and uh, he did have relations with Israel, did visit Israel. But now the uh, the current one has uh, elevated the relationship, and it seems that uh, that could be in the offing, too. Uh, you said that Pakistan would be huge. Would it be more huge than Saudi Arabia, or they're both huge in their own right? Saudi Arabia has been working um, towards this with uh, articles, newspapers, broadcasts, with, uh, by the way, changing the textbooks, uh, as did Egypt, uh, removing uh, racist and, and uh, anti-Semitic stuff. It doesn't mean it's purged completely, but it's a, uh, it's a very important move. Uh, the government of Morocco, by the way, did the same in it and introduced uh, Jewish history in the curriculum of, of uh, the, I think, sixth and eighth grades in two, two years that kids in Morocco, the Arab kids, study Jewish history, which is seen so as being integral to Moroccan history and Moroccan culture, which it was, uh, and as it is in Israel, where you have 900,000 or more people of Moroccan descent um, who have influenced the country greatly and have still maintained uh, cultural and other associations uh, with their heritage. So I think Pakistan, frankly, would be a more radical move at this point than Saudi Arabia. Uh, as you know, the king in Saudi Arabia doesn't seem to want to do it. His son does want to do it. Uh, and we'll have to see how it, it plays out. It could be like I've said for a long time, incremental steps where they you know, start doing trade, you have visits, you have other things, and then it will lead to something, something more. A lot has to do with the, uh, people feel with the new administration that they want to wait and see or they want to use this. Uh, I'm not sure that that's the, the case. I would say that they, seeing the aggressiveness of Iran, uh, the massive cyber attack that they did this week on Israeli, on about 80 Israeli companies, but also elsewhere. We know that they are um, engaging in more nefarious activities in the Persian Gulf. They, that they have these suicide boats, which did attack a, a ship, an oil ship in the uh, um, in a port in port in Saudi Arabia. So they, you know, the danger remains. And uh, Khamenei made it clear that uh, U.S. hostility won't end with the change of, of elections, although they, he said, we welcome Trump's leaving. He said, but we're not welcoming Biden, essentially, that he does, they don't trust him either. Uh, so we could see that this period uh, could remain very hostile. And, you know, they always take advantage of, of transitions and opportunities which they can exploit to try and position themselves. So I'm sure they will try to do it. And that causes the counter-reaction on the part of others to see that the regional stability is now more and more important. And Morocco being part of the Mediterranean Initiative now could join Greece, Cyprus, Israel, uh, many other countries. Tunisia, by the way, this week the parliament voted to criminalize normalization with Israel. But they said, the prime minister then said he respects Morocco's decision. We love Morocco. They have the right decision. But for us, if, if, we, if a government tries to normalize, it'll be a criminal offense. What do you think of the timing of the $1 billion U.S.-Morocco arms deal? 
what a coincidence that all of a sudden happened at this yep. time. Uh, but Morocco, you know, does face really serious challenges from Algeria, from Iran, in the, uh, active in the region, and mostly from the Polisario, supported by Algeria and others that um, in the Western Sahara. I think that that was the more important part of the deal was the recognition of the of uh, Morocco's territorial integrity and control over uh, Western Sahara. Yeah, I hear that. Um, also, there's a. I mean, I, I spoke that. Um uh, I spoke about the uh, good news that, you know, I wanted to emphasize at the beginning of this conversation. There's a report, or I, I actually think it was in your uh, newsletter, about campus attitude toward Israel changing, uh, Palestinian uh, influence uh, on campuses waning. I mean, is, is, is there a way to actually measure that? And is it something that's, especially now during COVID, when campuses are, you know, in such a different type of state, uh, is it something that's really uh, obvious now at this point? Uh, look, anybody can speculate on this. The, the amount of activity that we're detecting online is not decreasing, it's increasing. And there, there's a report that came out this week about uh, more focus on the far right, the QAnon, the anti-Semitic themes that permeate their uh, tweets and their activity online. Uh, everything we see shows that the anti-Israel the hostility, whether on campus, off campus, continues. It's true, they're not on campus right now, so it's harder for them to organize, but they have stepped up the activity online and using the Internet as a vehicle to spread the messages of uh, of hate. Uh, by the way, the United States elevated the anti-Semitic envoy, the envoy on anti-Semitism, to counter it, not to support it. Um, they, <laughs> they voted to elevate it to an ambassadorial level, which is recognition of the of the importance. Um, but I, I think that it's 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 speculative now. I know there are people who deny the existence even of the anti-Semitism on campus when we know and we get the reports and we have what the kids tell us, um, whether in New York or elsewhere. That um, it, it, is it reached the level of Europe? No. But is it growing? Yes. And has it permeated the political discourse this year? Has it permeated through a lot of the, these uh, online organizations and entities, which should not be dismissed? They're influencing a lot of people. And you're talking about often hundreds of thousands of posts about in, in a particular day or on uh, in a particular sites uh, that have anti-Semitic themes. And, you know, they use code words, the Rothschilds, even George Soros. If we don't like him, but the, he, he, uh, he, he, you know, if you don't like him, he, he's got, um, he, he's being used as a symbol for uh, an anti-Semitic symbol, and, and you know, this is not something to take lightly. You know, we saw how the uh, and these massive cyber attacks this week, not targeting Jews, obviously, but one targeting American government, probably the worst hack they say in American history, which now they believe in the latest information overnight was that, that they may have hit the nuclear agencies. Uh, and we know that they are able to take out a lot of uh, information that were the attacks in Israel, the, the holding Amer Israeli companies for ransom to pay off in bitcoins. Uh, so I, I don't think that this is a time we can say that there's a, a, a diminution. There's certainly changes because of the COVID situation. By the way, in... in um, uh, you know, we saw the report of the decision of the French court in the um, Charlie Hebdo and Kasher supermarket where they convicted 14 people 
The three terrorists who were primarily behind it were killed in shootouts earlier, but the wife of one and, and a couple of other people were tried in absentia. So they got prison terms up to 30 years. But in the Halimi case, the court ruled that because this guy was smoking marijuana, then he, he can't be prosecuted for the most blatant, vicious, anti-Semitic attack on an 83-year-old woman, throwing her out a window, yelling, Allah Akbar, and then they are going to let him walk. Makes no sense, just, right. be, just because he was smoking marijuana. Um, Which American courts have shown is not would not would not have uh, come to that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, under the influence of anything, you're still responsible for your actions. I don't That's get right. That. If you drive while yeah. under the influence, no you sense. get prosecuted. Um, so now, on the subject of transitions, you brought this up, and you said about taking advantage of transitions. We know there's a big one about to happen in this country. Uh, I mean, two things. First of all, aside from the possible uh, prison commutations, which seems to be the biggest topic in terms of the last month of the Trump administration, the second biggest topic might end up being how many more countries can they get under this peace umbrella with Israel? I mean, to, to, it's not overstating it to say that there's an. I mean, I know that you said Vice President Pence is going to be in the region, etc. It's not overstating it to say that there's going to be an effort over the next few weeks to include as many countries as possible. I, I assume this will be an accelerated process for the next few weeks. And the fact that we keep hearing of countries, even small ones, every few days is not a coincidence that we're getting to the end of the Trump administration. Well, they certainly are uh, pushing it. And as you know, there's going to be a, a flight from Mar Israel to Morocco, the first direct flight. And I think Mr. Kushner and others will be on that flight uh, to emphasize the importance uh, of this uh, arrangement. Um, now we'll see that, I told you, the Israelis are going to have to decide to go east or west. Are they going to go to Dubai? Are they going to go to Morocco? As, as it is, 50,000 visit a year uh, in Morocco, uh, even though there were that's how many That's how many visited Dubai in the last two weeks. <laughs> and I was going to say this month that number will be equaled. So you can see there will be a sharp increase uh, in tourism to Morocco once COVID allows it, especially people, all this pent-up demand. That's why Dubai is, is benefiting. Uh, I hope they, they, they don't overkill. It shouldn't be too much too fast that they can absorb it. But so far, everybody who's come back seems to be very, uh, very happy with it. And... Um, uh, I think the same will be true with Morocco, but it, there's also other interests that the United States, in each case, um, sweetened the pot with uh, Sudan, right. uh, getting it off the list, as you saw with the arms sale to Morocco and the recognition in Western Sahara or with the UAE, the F-35s. So America can play a very important role in facilitating, because there is opposition in each of these countries. Morocco, very serious opposition from the Muslim Brotherhood types and others. The king has always been courageous, uh, leading the way on Holocaust education, supporting the Aladdin Project, many, and in terms of restoring Jewish heritage, attending the rededication of the synagogue that had been the victim of a terrorist attack, paying for the restoration of, of hundreds of cemeteries, of each grave in those cemeteries. And it's an amazing thing to see um, across the country, led by uh, Serge Verdugo, the president of the community and an ambassador of the king. So, you know, there, this, uh, so, much, so many remarkable things were going on all along. And, uh, you know, I visited Morocco, as you know, many times and got the highest decoration, civilian decoration that he could give, and insisted I walk with my yarmulke, did everything that was televised, and the Muslim Brotherhood, of course, went nuts over it. Uh, but, you know, the, there are histories in these places. I don't know that there are that many countries. I think there are Muslim countries in Africa 
that are waiting to establish diplomatic relations. I think, um, you know, the, the, there isn't a long waiting list, but there are a lot of potential. Yeah, I mean, there's so many African countries that would benefit so much from Israel's technology. They do. They do already. They don't have necessary full relations. And, you know, mm. it's very expensive to put an embassy everywhere, so you have to put embassies for a couple of countries. Uh, you know, Israel's a small country, and sustaining, you know, embassies in, in uh, dozens and dozens of countries is, uh, is, a, is an expense, and you have to have the people to take those uh, positions. But I think that if that's the worst problem, we'll overcome that. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. You know, I'm just thinking we met a lot of people in uh, in Dubai who spent their formidable, you know, campus uh, college years on American campuses. They were pretty open about that. Um, I'm wondering if uh, maybe maybe in that era, the '90s, early 2000s, maybe they were simply quiet about the whole topic on those campuses. But maybe now they'll be you know better ambassadors to try to quiet the anti-Israel stuff on the campus because they'll be coming from a country that now you know is is proud uh to be friends with israel maybe their whole attitude will help change things uh, on the american campuses it's possible it's very important point it's not just the the students uh, but also uh, first of all this is a direct blow to the bds movement uh when these all these arab countries are buying israeli products and and they're dealing with it and uh don't seem to be bothered uh, by these um false calculations and, and assertions. Uh, but, you know, also many Arabs supported, and, and we have long traced the amount of Arab money coming and foreign money generally coming to American campuses where they influence what is taught, how, who is teaching, etc. That could be another benefit because some of them were Saudis. It doesn't mean, by the way, that, that this will stop immediately. It won't. Many of those people right. could be radical in themselves and have radical views. But I think that the transition will seep through, and, and, and you're right, these people already going on television, talking positively about Israel. There have been visits, as you know, and you saw that the, a delegation of, from the UAE and uh, Bahrain uh, lighting the, the candles on top of the what used to be police station, now the Zuckerman building opposite the Kotel. Uh, it's a remarkable thing, and that gets, permeates in the country. Yeah, and the fact that they were able to be there and I can't get to Israel was also pretty ironic, uh, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> that's, yes, uh, that's true. Almost a year, January 4th. I know we landed here at Sarabateves, which was in early January, so almost a year since I've been in Israel, which is unbelievable, and I know you feel obviously the same way. Uh, on the transition issue, what about the other piece? You know, uh, Iran is insisting that there's no new agreement that's going to be uh, arranged with the IAEA, that they're you know r- not ready to go back to the table. It sounds like they basically want Joe Biden to essentially say, okay, we're going back to the Obama deal, and that's the end of it. You know, everybody go back uh, go back to the future, so to speak, uh, by, by doing that. But many are speculating that Joe Biden, uh, for a variety of reasons, is going to have to insist that this thing start from scratch. So what do you think of that whole, uh, 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 whole issue when it comes to the transition to the new president? You're right in pointing out the the uh, contradictory reports, and a lot of it is speculative. I think a lot will depend on uh, what the Iranians say. And if you look, they've said many different things. One is that they they will not change one iota of the deal. Two, that they're not. You know, they that as I said before, Khamenei said we we well, they were glad to see tr- uh, Trump go, but they don't welcome uh, Biden. That the um, 
the, the people from the Biden income administration have said that his intention is to jo- rejoin the deal and then negotiate. I think the Europeans are, are ready and want to negotiate uh, now some additional restrictions, especially the Germans, for instance, have come out very strongly about uh, Iran's mi- missile program over the last week. Uh, other countries talked about the um, uh, the nuclear program continuing and the concerns and also their activities. They engage in the various activities. They get uh, people, dissidents in Europe and elsewhere, bring them to Turkey, to Iraq, and then, you know, have executed as they did this journalist this week. Um, so the, the the Iranians are also demanding that they lift all the sanctions before they negotiate. They also demanded reparations for the damage done. They don't say anything about the $150 billion in cash they got from uh, uh, four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think that the, you know, this, we'll, we'll have to see how it plays out. I think there are people there who are realistic. Their views are different than the... Um, views of the Trump administration and the maximum pressure uh, program. The, the incoming administration will be more internationalist. They will want to do more in coalition with other countries. Uh, but I, I don't think anybody can ignore, and especially as I pointed out, these Iranian attacks this week, the cyber attacks, the retaliatory things that they've done, they're, they're destabilizing activities against other governments in the region. You know, no American administration will ignore it. So my hope is that they will, that the reality of Iran will uh, set in. But Iran's need for America is so great. The financial situation there is so desperate that they want to get relief from from the sanctions. They want to they want to extract a price for the killing of Farzadeh and of Soleimani and all of that. But at the same time, that the uh, you know, they remain in control of the country, and people think they're not. There are a lot of internal dissent. There's a lot of internal dissension, and there's a lot of dissent amongst some of the leadership classes, especially because they face an election in May or June for the new president, which will be a test for the succession to the supreme leader who wants his son to take over, and there's a lot of opposition. So Iran is, is really on a brink, and they need to get a, a change. They need to be able to do more business. You know, they're claiming they can't get medicine. This is a lie. None of the sanctions apply to medicine. The, thing, the truth is that they, you know, wasted the money that had been set aside, a huge amount of money uh, for medical purposes, which disappeared in Iran. So, um, you know, they, they, they're guilty of this. And look rather than taking responsibility and see how they clean up their act. They blame America, they blame Israel, blame everybody else for their failings. And there's no way any of the candidates for their leader, for their president in the upcoming election, there's no way any of them will be a real moderate, right? I mean, this whole attitude... Right. The only question is, is it worse or worser? Yeah, we discussed this in in Dubai because, uh, you know, the question is, doesn't anybody ever approach the PA, for instance, and say, look, guys, you could be enjoying the same thing that you know, uh, Arabs in the Persian Gulf are enjoying now with Israel, and, and, and it can only, you know, help your cause and help you build your cities and help your economy, et cetera. Sometimes uh, I wish somebody would just take the leaders of Iran and, and say the same thing to them, but I, I, but I guess it never has. The hate is so great, and they're so entrenched in, in this, you know, decades-long battle that they've created for themselves, frankly, that I don't think there's any hope. I don't think anybody can convince them otherwise. 
but uh, well, it's correct, but it, and it's ideologically driven. And when you have such a radical extremist ideology, and the supreme leader is in control of everything, no, don't believe all these reports. You know, they said already he was out of office, and I said on the program last Friday, don't believe it. He's going to be back on Monday. He was back on Monday because I heard from people in Iran that that, that was uh, the case. And they often leak things like this to, to judge reaction and see who, who tries to exploit it domestically. Um, uh, so... You know, I think, though, that the people of Iran would be more ready to turn around on on the Israel issue. Of course, you have the whole clerical group, the Olam Mullahs and everybody who are sworn to hate and destroy Israel. But I think that the people would, would not go along with it, that, that the Iranians remember the period, some of them the period of good relations with Israel, although most are too young to, to, to remember the period under the Shah and others when there was good cooperation. Uh, I don't know that in Turkey it would be the same, and, and I don't know in some of the Arab countries it'll take it'll be that easy, including Saudi Arabia, where after all the decades of hate-filled rhetoric, yeah. that when you know that it, this week on Monday after or the Monday uh, right after the killing of uh, Farid Zadeh, the head of their nuclear program, right. somebody put up a banner with an Israeli flag over a main bridge in in um, Tehran, and it said, thank you, Mossad. <laughs> and, of course, by the, as soon as people started seeing it, it, got, it came down. But it was viewed by millions of people online. And we know that every time Israel, when the prime minister gives a message to the people of Iran, when there are, are the online, um, the broadcast of Israel um, broadcast for Iran were extremely popular. So, you know, I think that there, there is hope with the Iranian people. Yeah. I believe it. I believe that many of them want uh, real peace and real um, uh, progress, but their government and leaders simply don't allow it. It's their currency is worth 10% of what it was before. They're, they're suffering terribly under all of this, you know, and, and Iran is buying some vaccines from China untested and you know, the people are scared of it and asking for help to get the real vaccines there. Yeah. Um, all right, Israeli politics for a moment. Uh, Lieberman, Lapid, Saar, and Bennett looked like there might be a deal with the four of them. That fell through. Saar creates a new party called New Hope. Ashkenazi says he's leaving blue and white. What, what can you tell us about the prospects for another election in Israel? Yes, no, maybe. <laughs> Are they still negotiating? Is Netanyahu and Gantz still yes. negotiating to try to not go to elections? Yes, they still are. Their teams met. Neither one of them, I think, really benefits from an election because of Bennett's numbers and Sire's numbers for Likud must be a challenge, uh, although Likud would probably still remain the largest party. I think Gantz has to look at it and see that he may not have a political future. Uh, Labor doesn't even make the cut this time, the 3% in, in wow. the latest polls, which is so astonishing for and us. For those who remember all the decades of yeah. their control. That's historic. And, um, and, you know, the outcome would be uncertain. Saar has attracted some key people, and then uh, two from Blue and White that he fired, Handel and Hauser. Right. Um, I think that the um, uh, some of, even some Likudniks and others are, are talking of going with him. Uh, if he and Bennett were able to come together, that would really provide uh, a very powerful challenge, and maybe too big a challenge. But Right now, they they are both gaining, and um, you know it's it's so much.
much uncertainty. People are already so exhausted of it. They don't even protest now like they did the last time about the prospect of another election six months ago, eight months ago. When do you think we'll know? Another week or two? Like, when do you think we'll know that that they're officially going to elections? Uh, well, we will know this week. If they, if they don't get the budget by the 23rd, I think the government falls. Wow. So that's, that's automatic. It's in law. And then you'd have... Uh, you need at least three months. So the talk is that the election, and because of Pesach, you have to move it up. So, some said they would move it later, but I think they're talking now of it being in March, that the election would be in mid-March. And then, um, so that process would have to begin immediately. I spoke to someone in Israel today who says he's scheduled to have his vaccine a week from yesterday. I mean, is this an accelerated process? Or are we going to see a, a, a large number of Israelis be vaccinated in the next few weeks? Yes, and especially older people, vulnerable people, the first responders like here are getting it first. Yes, they they have very uh, they have put this. You know, the army I think has been playing a key role in it, and Mossad others uh, to make sure that the distribution is equitable and quick. Numbers in Israel have gone way up. They're going up terribly, and and here too, and people again are becoming lax and using the masks. They don't they don't like them. Blah blah. blah. It doesn't matter. And that doesn't matter whether you had it or not. You can still be a carrier. We see it, and we see Nebuchadnezzar people still dying from it, and people have to take it seriously. We get tired of it. You know, it's been a long time. I get all of that. But we have a responsibility, and people who are vulnerable still have to be extremely careful. You know what's interesting about the vaccine? I see reports that even with the vaccine, there'll still have to be masks and social distancing. Right. I saw a report that it'll be two, three years before... Herd immunity, herd immunity really sets in. sets in. And then and then I heard, and I don't know if this is true or not, and I don't even know where I read it or saw it, and if you saw this, please tell me. Uh, someone said that the prime minister announced in Israel that once 80% of the country is vaccinated, not a crazy goal there because we're talking about, you know, 7 million people being vaccinated. Once 80% is vaccinated, the country will open up completely the way it was. So I don't know, you know, between all those three, three completely different messages in terms of the effectiveness and what they're expecting from the vaccine. Well, first of all, it's two shots, remember, with the Pfizer. So till you get the second shot, the immunity doesn't, isn't really full. Right. Um, and uh, I think the, the other one is only going to be one shot. But uh, yeah, 80% is considered, uh, well, herd immunity of a sort, and it diminishes the prospect of, of people getting it from contact. But the, the warning, as you said, which was contrary to what a lot of people thought, they thought once you get the shot, then you right. can go and go back to normal. Correct. That's not the case. Well, that's unfair. I need it to be that way. Okay, for you it's okay. We need to open things up. But you're tall enough, you can't you breathe different air. So. Mm, taco. <laughs> uh, those, those droplets don't get up here, do they? Right. Uh, and I have type O blood, so they said that typos are are resistant to the for some reason. So what are you doing in your house? Go start. I don't, I don't believe these rumors. Go start flying <laughs> around the world. Come on. No, I don't, I'm not sure that it's true. So far, I've not been able to substantiate it. Have uh, you Googled? Has anybody with type O blood gotten COVID? Should Google that. Uh, it's a resistance. It's not a prevention. Ah, so there's got to be at least some people. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, all right, last thing. Uh, I, I, this is a curiosity. This if al- any of the listeners want to send in typo blood, just in case, it's okay. <laughs> the Al <laughs> Shabab, this thirty-year-old from Kenya that was ready to to do a World Trade Center-like terrorist attack. So I'm just curious if Al Shabab is affiliated with one of the major terror groups, or this is one of those rogue, small 
uh, you know, terror parties uh, that he's associated with. You ever hear of it before this case? Of course, yeah. Al-Shabaab has been around. They're especially operative in Africa, like Boko Haram and Oh, others. so they're major. It's like a they're, real... They're a significant... It's a real group. But major by the sense that we might look at the, the size of the army and the attempts to, to try and crush it. Like ISIS. ISIS still exists. People don't realize it. They're very active in, in the Sinai. They're still active in Iraq and, and Syria. Diminished, yes. Do they, not, they don't have their own mini-state now. But they're still very active and growing, according to many. And they're growing in Africa. They're growing in other places. Um, you know, when we look at what's going on in South America today, you know, which one would think would be a, a source of great concern in the United States because they're operating there in order to be close to, to, to be able to attack the United States and to undermine the regimes there now. And, and Zarif's visit, all of the Iranian activity there, uh, expanding constantly and the changes in the government going back the wrong way, the governments that we thought would transform. Now the elections show that the Maduro types and all of them are coming back to power. Um, you're right. There isn't enough attention to the to the reality of of these Islamist terrorist uh, organizations and their activities. There are efforts in Europe, by the way. Now France is moving to to outlaw them and to really uh, go after the uh, Islamist uh, groups. The problem is there that not only are the horses out of the barn, but the barn door has been closed on them. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, finally, we must note the passing of Rabbi Fabian Schoenfeld. I'm sure, aside from being a great rabbinic leader, as you know, obviously, uh, I, I think you probably thought the same thing I did. This is the end of an era. We, uh, uh, we don't have many left from that generation who were such effective rabbinic leaders in their own communities and really internationally. I could use the whole show to talk about him. He was a mentor, a friend. Uh, I thank God spoke to him during the last year and kept in touch and went to see him uh, before, right before COVID. Um, and he, he, he was low-key. He wasn't looking for, for credit and visibility, but he was such an amazing man. And there were a few people like him and Rabbi Besser and uh, Rabbi Newberger, who you could put in any circumstance with any people, and you know you were going to come out okay. When we had very tense moments in the conference, you know, between all the array of religious organizations and stuff, and some issues became explosive, he was always, although a strong advocate and very consistent and very strong on Israel and, and as strong a Zionist as you could be, and the head president of Polio, good as Israel, and was president of the RCA and many other things, and but he was involved with the conference for decades and with me personally. And uh, I, I can't, there's not enough words to say. And, you know, with him, his loss, Rabbi Sachs, and uh, we also have to note this week the passing of one of the great Balabatim and uh, Abram Wolfson, who Chesed and Stucca are yep. almost uh, legendary. Um, Plus but, Rabbi uh, Lamb. And Rabbi Lamb. Right. Unfortunately, we, we've lost some of the great people. And your point is right. We're not replacing them with people who have that ability to be strict and, and in their observances and, their, and sticking by principle, but at the same time with a broader vision and understanding of Claudius Israel. And uh, I, he's missed, he was missed before because he was not as active. But uh, when I came there, uh, he, he, oh, at the end of, towards the end of our meeting, people started coming into his apartment because he was still giving sure, but he was doing it from laying down and from <laughs> uh, from his chair. Wow. So he's a remarkable man. I'm glad that we have the opportunity to, to express our cars at Tov and to the Hummet, his family, and to the Wolfsons and Lames and everyone. 
Uh, I thank you, Malcolm. Uh, enjoy the end of Hanukkah. Have a wonderful Shabbos. We'll speak again next week. Next week, Asar Bateves, everybody. A week from today is actually a fast day. How do you like that? Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, JMNAM, candlelighting at 410 on this Erev Shabbos. I want to thank our friends at shopeichlers.com. A reminder, uh, they have same-day delivery, which is pretty amazing, to places like Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Toms River, Jackson, New Jersey. Larger Judaica store is now online. It is shopeichlers.com, shopeichlers.com. Go to the website, check it out, and uh, you will see a uh, um, an entire array of wonderful items. But in addition to all the wonderful items, uh, that same-day delivery is very, very attractive, as you can imagine. The ability to have something uh, in your home, I guess, yeah, I guess today you would say before the end of Hanukkah. I would guess, yeah. I mean, you can consult with them. They'll let you know if you could have it in the next few hours. Uh, also, all Mitzvah Kinder toys are 10% off. Great uh, gifts for uh, toddlers until 8 years old. And, of course, you can get that with same-day delivery. Check it out. Go to shopichlers.com, shopichlers.com. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old World Classics, Beef Fry, Kishka, and more. And modern, better-for-you kosher products, including no-nitrate-added, reduced-fat, and reduced-sodium hot dogs, plus many other unique items. Visit the website at kosherdogs.net. Enjoy a 10% discount with promo code RADIO and try A&H today. Don't forget, we've got our Day of Giving, our Giving Tuesday. Coming up Tuesday, will be in the five towns at Gotta Get a Bagel in Woodmere from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m., broadcasting live this coming Tuesday. If you're anywhere near... The five towns come and visit us again, 6 to 11 a.m. Extended jam the a.m. for Giving Tuesday with an amazing guest list. We've had a great guest list for this coming Tuesday. So make sure to be part of it. Uh, tune in and uh, certainly come on by. It's social distance and all that. Yeah, we're going to be as careful as can be. But we'll be doing a live radio show from uh, uh, Joel's uh, Gotta Get a Bagel in Woodmere, 6 to 11, Giving Tuesday for us. Before the end of the year, we ask everybody to go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Give what you can, a monthly donation, a one-time donation, whatever it is you can give. Please support us at fjbunity.org, and we'll remind everybody on Tuesday. And a big shout-out to the chairman of our Dubai trip, Ralph Rosenbaum. I remind you that he is um, he is available to speak to regarding um, financial planning end-of-year giving, and all those topics, taxes, etc. 1-800-CPA-TAX-CPA-2, 1-800-TAX-CPA-2, 1-800-TAX-CPA-2, and taxcpa2.com, taxcpa2.com. This time each and every Friday, every hour of Shabbos, with a great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader emeritus, Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Miketz. With Parshas Miketz, we are thick into the story of Yosef and his rise to power in Mitzrayim and his dealing with his brothers. And every year when we read about this, we ask ourselves, how is it possible that Yosef would cause his brothers so much anguish, and it appears on the surface as if it is some kind of retaliation. After all, how did they treat him? Well, if that's the way they treat treated him, that's the way he's going to treat them. No, 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 don't go there. 
The Ramban says very clearly that Yosef understood that the dreams that he had had to be actualized, that they were literally uh, prophetic in nature. And truthfully, as the Torah told us back in last week, when Yaakov hears of these dreams, the Torah tells us, for Yaakov, the Aviv Shomar is Hadavar. Rashi explains that Yaakov was anticipating, waiting for the fulfillment, not knowing how, but having that kind of inclination to realize that his son Yosef was not just a bright young man, but that there was great potential. And so the Ramban says that this is what Yosef was doing. How many came down to um, um, buy food in Egypt, all except for one? But that's not good enough, because in the first dream, 11 of them bow down to him. And therefore, he needs a way of bringing Binyamin down. Takes Shimon and puts him in jail, bring down Binyamin, and you'll get Shimon back. And now the Binyamin is brought down. He has to find a way to get Yaakov to come down. Because Yaakov, too, in the second dream, is the son who has to bow down to him. And that gets foiled next week when his emotion gets the most of him. I believe that, as I say all the time, there are no Bible stories. There are only Bible lessons. And I'd like to share with you one very important lesson that I believe comes out of uh, this parsha, And that is as follows. The verse that I want to focus on is in chapter 42, Pasuk 21. And where are we? Yosef has just accused the brothers of being spies, and he tells them what he's going to do, put one of them in jail, etc., until they bring back the other. So what is their response, the brothers, one to another? Vayomru ish elochiv. And they said one to another, but are we not guilty? What are we not guilty for? Alochinu, regarding our brother. Asheroinu, that we saw Tsaras show. We saw his heartfelt anguish. Listen to these next four words. When he pleaded and begged, and we did not listen, Alkain, therefore, Therefore, this is why this anguish has come upon us. Now listen carefully, my friends. This is such a powerful verse. The first thing is, there's an incredible brilliance to the Torah. When I mention Mechiras Yosef to all of you who are honoring me by listening, and if I say the sale of Yosef, be honest with yourself. Do you conjure up in your mind that Yosef was literally on his hands and knees begging his brothers not to sell him? And I believe, be honest, the answer is no. I, this is what happened. But the answer, my friends, is the Torah doesn't write this where it should have been written. It should have been written in last week's parasha. In last week's parasha, we're told they stripped him from his coat of many colors, they throw him in the pit, they sell him, and there's not a word last week of Yosef's begging. So we don't associate the two. In this week's parasha, it slipped in. Oh, why? 
because the Torah doesn't want us to have that impression of the Achim, even though they had free will, but clearly this was all literally with divine assistance, namely God is directing history. Yosef had to get into Mitzrayim, Yosef had to become the um, you know, the viceroy in Egypt, etc. But now, listen carefully. If you look in the Sopurno, both in last week's parasha and on this Pasuk here, chapter 42, Pasuk 21, last week the Sopurno tells us how could the brothers sell Yosef? How could they do this to their brother? So, he tells us that they, the brothers, convened a Bezdin, and they determined that Yosef was to be deemed a Rodev. What is a Rodev? A Rodev is someone who is pursuing you and threatening to kill you. And the Torah says, If someone is coming to harm you, Hashkem Lahargo, you have every right and obligation to stop him, and you should, if need be, kill him. We learn that from the Boba Machteres, as found in Parshas Mishpatim. Having said that, they said, look at Jewish history. Avram had two sons, Yitzchak and Yishmael. Yishmael got sent away. Yitzchak had two sons, Esav and Yaakov. Esav got sent away. Yaakov has Twelve sons, but he's favoring one. Oy, oy, oy. Lest history repeat itself and the eleven get sent away and it's only going to be Yosef, we will take the initiative to make sure that doesn't happen to us. We will get rid of him. Amazing. And so they felt so confident that Yosef had to go and they sell him. However, listen to what the Sapurno says that even though they judged Yosef as a Rodef, but still, and that's the key word, I'll read it to you. What's the problem? Hoyinu achzorim negerochinu, says the Sopurno. Still, we were, unfortunately, cruel to our brother, even though we were right in considering him a Rodef. Here come the key words. We should have had compassion when he begged for mercy. That was our fault. In other words, not in our judgment. The judgment was correct. But in our execution of the judgment, we lacked Rachmanus. And because we didn't show mercy to our brother, therefore he is acting, this person, not knowing it's their brother, is acting this way towards us. So it's not in the decision, it's the implementation with lack of mercy. I think this is such a powerful lesson for Jewish history, for all of us today. Hanukkah was yesterday. Last night, Hanukkah was over. We have to take a very important lesson of Hanukkah, and as I will show you in a moment, we, a week from today, next Friday, 
are going to be fasting. Next Friday is the 10th of Teves, the only fast that could ever occur on a Friday. What happened on Asar Teves was that Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Bavel, Babylon, put a siege around Jerusalem, which lasted two and a half years, which led to the destruction of the first Beis Amigdash. It was the beginning of the end. Okay, not okay, means that the Jewish people could have, should have realized, uh-oh, the noose is around our neck, it's getting tighter, we should do tshuva, and unfortunately, they did not. Now, why do we fast on Friday, and why, if it were to fast, if it were to fall on a Shabbos, says the Avu Draham, we would even fast on a Shabbos. The reason for that is the following. At this time, Yechezkel Hanavi was in Bavel. He was able to prophesy in Bavel because he had prior prophesied in Eretz Yisrael. And what did he prophesy? That on this day, on this very day, he told the people in Bavel that Nebuchadnezzar had put a siege around Yerushalayim. Months later, when they came to Babel, and they said, ay, 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 a siege was put, and they asked what day? Yes, it turned out to be the day that Asurabateves, that Yechezkel told them to write down. Now amazing, there was no CNN, there was, how did Yechezkel know? He knew B'Nevuah, he knew with prophecy. And therefore, because of on this very day, this day has that significance to it that if it were to fall on a Shabbos, we would fast. Why? Explains the Chassam Sofer in the commentary on the Slichos for next Friday for Sarbateves. An incredible idea. And that is as follows. He says that every year on Asara B'teves, HaKadosh Baruch Hu convenes a Bezdin Shomala, the celestial court upstairs, and there is a vote taken. A decision is made. Will the third Beis HaMikdash be rebuilt this forthcoming year? Amazing. So, explains the Chassam Sofer, that if a person, let's say, for example, has a yard site which falls on a Shabbos, and some people fast on a yard site, you would not fast on Shabbos. Why not? Because that's called an Avelus Yeshana. That's called an old mourning. The person passed away years ago, and therefore we don't fast on Shabbos. However, if a person has Lo'alenu, a very disturbing dream, that they had on Friday night, Alpidin, you're allowed to fast on Shabbos because it's not something of the past, it's something very much in the present. Therefore, says the Chassam Sofer, the same thing here, that if a Surabateves would fall on a Shabbos, it's considered not something of the past. Don't tell me the siege happened over 20, what? about 2,500 years ago. No, it's happening today. Next Friday, they're deciding upstairs. Now, wait a second. If they're deciding upstairs, we have to take the message of Hanukkah, which is 
that the spiritual wins out over the physical. Correct? The determination of the Chashmonoyim that we had and lived during the eight days of Hanukkah tells us that the determination to maintain our faith was stronger and overwhelmed the incredible might of the Greek army. But I'd like to take it a little bit different and say the following, that what is the message that the brothers admitted? We were right, but we shouldn't have done it, and we should have had more compassion to our brother. So too, my friends, the key word from this Pasuk, I believe, and the key lesson is to be mevater. To be mevater means to give in, to allow. You are right, but don't always stand your ground on being right. You can be right, but unfortunately you can win the battle but lose the war. How many issues of Sholem bias come about when someone just can't keep quiet even though you are right in your side and the other person in your mind might be wrong and you might be objectively right there are times when just your silence and not answering them back you're going to win if you try to answer them back even though you're right you will lose and therefore to be mavatir to allow the next person to give them some uh, credibility, to give them some room for feeling good. This is such a powerful concept that I believe emerges from this week's parsha of Miketz. Avol Hashemim Anachnu. We are guilty. And unfortunately, that which the brothers were guilty of them we are still guilty now too often in our interpersonal relationships. And therefore, as we focus and realize that we're no Bible stories, it's a question of Bible lessons that will bring us, please God, to the coming of Moshiach. In order for that to happen, we have to learn from their mistakes. We cash in on all of their merits with every Shemona Esrei. So, Cher Chazdei Ovos. But the rabbis criticized Yaakov. He shouldn't have favored Yosef over the others. How much did the code of many colors cost? The Ksonas Pasim? Significantly, very, very little. But, oh my goodness, look at kind of damage that it did. Similarly, as we learn from their merits, we're also to learn from their mistakes. And therefore, avol let it not be said of us. Let us learn to be mevater. Let us learn to give in. Let us learn to give the next person some justification as well. And that is going to bring us not one step, but many steps closer to the ultimate redemption for which we constantly pray. And therefore, I wish everyone for next week a meaningful fast I wish everyone that we take these lessons to heart and realize what a beautiful Musr Sefer our Sefer Torah is. Shabbat Shalom to all. 
JM in the AM. My thanks to Rabbi Yudin, of course. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos, and this eighth day of Hanukkah. Erev Shabbos parashas Miketz, candlelighting in New York at 410. As Rabbi Yudin said, next Friday is a Sarabateves. Keep that in mind. As Rabbi Heber told us earlier, three Fridays in a row that we'll have laning. How do you like that piece of calendaric trivia? Uh, Rabbi Tzvi Gluck is with us live via telephone, founder of Amudim, Sunday and Monday, two very, very important days for the Jewish community. Go to unite2heal.com, unite2heal.com. The entire lineup is there. Uh, the ability to donate right now and certainly to donate on Sunday and Monday during their crowdfunding campaign, uh, that's there. You'll see the Donate Now button on the right side of unite2heal.com. You can arrange for your own fundraising team. You can learn all about the work of Amudim. Those of you who don't know, they are literally saving lives and families on a regular basis basis. It's amazing what comes across by Tzvi Gluck's desk and how he and his staff and volunteers are able to leap into action and solve so many very, very difficult problems. Rabbi Tzvi Gluck, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning. Good Nerev Shabbos. It's so good to hear you again. I appreciate that. Same to you. I'm honored to kick things off this coming Sunday morning when we start the 36-hour live stream benefit. Uh, first of all, we should point out, we didn't spend enough time talking about this the last time you were on, uh, you have a real, real event lineup, meaning you have personalities and uh, and panels and events, including uh, something I'm looking forward to, the Holy Yid Squares, which is a great game show with so many great Jewish music stars. You have a variety of stuff going on during this 36 hours, in and of itself, very entertaining and very informative. So, uh, number one, congratulations on this unique format. Uh, you're providing a whole bunch of great stuff for people to watch over those 36 hours. And uh, how about your comments? What do you think of the fact that uh, your event has gone in this direction? So it's extremely heartwarming, and, and really for more reasons than one. First of all, I have to give a big thank you to Yami Schachter and the entire uh, you know team at Charity Bits for really putting this together because I have to be honest, they did all the work, not me. But what was really heartwarming is that the amount of people that agreed just by hearing what this was for and jumped on the bandwagon to help us is just, it, it teaches me two things. First of all, obviously, from a personal note, it shows that people are finally, you know, realizing and learning more about Amudim. But even more importantly, I keep thinking to myself, from the eyes of those that need our help and support, and that they're seeing how many big-name celebrities in so many different areas of Jewish life are coming together. I mean, that message is, we hear you. We're no longer sweeping things under the rug. Don't get me wrong. We still have a long way to go. But it's a huge start. I mean, huge. So it is just amazing. And as people in the uh, public eye continue to learn about what you do, as you just pointed out, they do want to get involved, and many of them, and people will see when they go to the event lineup at unite2heal.com, unite2heal.com. Go to the event lineup. You'll see what's going to be happening Sunday and Monday. And again, I'll have the privilege of kicking things off early Sunday morning. I hope everyone's going to be tuned in. Make sure to go to that website, and I'll be there Monday as well when we wrap things up and hopefully achieve our goal. Now, you alluded to this the other day. Just remind everybody, uh, as, as large a budget, unfortunately, that you need because of all the families and people that you're helping – how much more so now during 2020? What has the COVID-19 done to the work of Amudim? So uh, the COVID-19 to Amudim has done 
a few things. First of all, our caseload increased by about 69.8%, so 70% compared to where we were last year, versus, you know, an average increase of 20, 25% a year for the previous four years in a row. Um, our budget increased tremendously. Um, we're looking at approximately $6.7 million as our 2020 budget, which, you know, we have just 12 days to go. So yeah. our numbers are pretty accurate on that. Um, but more importantly is it's a testament to the staff, how they really stepped up to the plate because, I mean, the amount of work that they have been thrown at, and we have just not had the ability to play catch up. I mean, normally we would hire more staff as more cases come in so that we can continuously train. But how, how can we train people in the midst of COVID? You know what I'm saying? It was just uh -huh. so difficult that people really stepped up. And, and, you know, again, you know, issues, whether it's abuse, you know, sexual abuse in the home, people being quarantined with their abusers, um, people with addiction, <clears throat> you know, relapsing, uh, domestic violence numbers. I mean, these things just, just literally just shot up and, you know, I, on one hand, it's like really sad. On the other hand, it's truly amazing how many people felt comfortable to reach out for help. You know, we helped so far. I'm looking at my stats right now. 3,665 people this year alone. Which is unbelievable. And, um, and as I pointed out the other day, it's become an international effort. 40 countries, 406 cities around the world. There are people everywhere who turned to Amudim for help. And and um, one of the things we uh, really didn't get into earlier in the week, but I think we have to mention, you have seen the worst in our community. Uh, you have you have experienced, um, I don't know how graphic I should get, frankly, although I would assume Sunday and Monday we are going to speak really openly about some of these things. But you have seen uh, the the worst that anybody can imagine for a family to go through uh, you've been at those funerals, and you've been at the sites of those overdoses, and you've been uh, visiting families who were who had children who were abused terribly, and domestic violence cases that even you probably couldn't believe what you were uh, what you were hearing and seeing. Um, there's a lot of very serious stuff going on out there. I, I would hope that those types of situations, I, I I'd like to say, you know, have become less frequent over the years that Amudim has been in existence. But because you're getting so many cases now, maybe I should say uh, that the percentage is that you're able to uh, help people in these desperate situations and really get things on the right track, save people from, God forbid, the ultimate end, and save families from being terrible victims of horrible abuse and save uh, spouses from having to stay in an environment where they don't belong. Uh, I, I would hope at least you feel that there's so much more hope now because there's a system in place under your leadership that has arranged for people to have a place to go to and a place to turn to. So it's really both. Meaning, yes, we, we, you know, we've seen the worst, but we've also seen the best. Meaning, you know, number one, the outpouring of support. Number two, seeing people, you know, getting healthier, doing better, inviting us to their simchos, to their weddings, engagements, birth of children after they've come out of rehab. I mean, you know, so we have to always look at the wins more than the losses, as I like to call it, because thank God they far outnumber the losses by a huge margin. So that's, you know, really what keeps us going. And, and I say that wholeheartedly. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, it, you can look at it both ways. In other words, yeah, we've, you know, 
we, people are feeling comfortable. And I always say this, that, you know, the fact that the numbers go up doesn't mean that there are more problems. It means more people are reaching out for help. Revelia yeah. Brudnishlita told this to me uh, two years ago when I was complaining. We were at a board meeting. I'll never forget when Mendy Kleinzakwan Levrocha was there. And I basically went crazy. I'm like, uh, we just, we had over two and a half thousand cases and I was like losing it. And, you know, I said, if I would have ever known that this is what it would grow to, I don't know if I would have undertaken this project. Wow. And Revelia looked at me straight in the face and said, Tzvi, first of all, it's a drop in the bucket of where you're going to get to. And second of all, you're looking at it all wrong. It doesn't mean that two and a half thousand people have problems that we didn't know. It means that two and a half thousand people felt comfortable to reach out. So now that number has grown to over eight and a half thousand. Um, but that's really what it is. And, and yes, there's still a lot more to do. Don't get me wrong. A, a really, really a lot more to do. Um, and we got to do everything that we can. But this is really, really, you know, a situation where, and I say this, I mean, every organization is currently struggling, you know, because of the after effects of COVID financially and the ability for people to give the way they used to. And, and we're all struggling. And I speak to heads of other major organizations regularly. Um, and that's why, you know, we needed to come up with something that would be really like, you know, groundbreaking as far as content, but also keeping in mind the Amudim mission. In other words, as much as we're doing this for the purpose of raising money, and you know this, it's also about creating added awareness for what we're doing so people should continue to feel comfortable to reach out and to continue to break the stigma. No question and about it. We still have a long way to go, but we're, but we're going to get there. Uh, those of you who want to help with that road, it is a long one, but as uh, Rabbi Tzvi Gluck says, they are going to get there, and they can get there with our help. The Amudim 36-hour live stream benefit has an amazing number of uh, entertaining and informative events that are coinciding with this incredible 36 hours. You can go to the website right now and check out the event lineup at unitetoheal.com. Unitetoheal.com. It all kicks off 9 a.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday. I'm going to be honored to uh, participate in that kickoff. I'm encouraging everybody both on Sunday and Monday and now to donate by going to unitetoheal.com. You'll see the Donate Now button. Uh, let's get Amudim off to a great start as they have a major, major campaign uh, for a major budget that has to be met uh, so that the staff and uh, people who are responsible for Amudim can go forward and help all the families that we're talking about around the world. So go to unitetoheal.com, unitetoheal.com. Tzvi, I look forward to seeing you Sunday, please, God. And I hope uh, and pray that we'll look back at this campaign as one that was very successful and one that got a great reaction from the worldwide Jewish community. Um, no, thank you. And I would also encourage people when they go to the website, there's an option that says fundraise for this campaign where people right. can create their own page and help us raise money. 100%. You know, people can continue pushing that out. But really, Malcolm, I look forward to uh, being with you Sunday morning. Yes, with proper social distancing measures in place, of course. We're going to be very, very careful with everything. But I do look very much forward to uh, being live on the air with you uh, or on camera with you, rather. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, really doing what we can to help those in need. And that's what it boils down to. Yes, the event is going to be very enjoyable. I mean, the comedy segment's going to be great. The music's going to be great. And the truth is, I want to mention, one of the reasons why we worked so hard to make this something entertaining and interesting is because people today, they need to entertain them. There's too much stress in the world, too much anxiety. Giving people 36 hours, you know, of 
different information, including fun and enjoyable things, is also extremely crucial to our mission as well. No question. So, all fits in. But Malcolm, thank you so so much. And uh, really, anyone that can help, you know, we really need it. We need it more than ever, and the communities need it more than ever. Thank you, Rabbi Tzvi Gluck. Have a wonderful Shabbos. I remind everybody, UniteToHeal.com. UniteToHeal.com. Go to the site and join us 9 a.m. Eastern time this coming Sunday morning and be with us as much of the 36 hours as you can uh, from Sunday until Monday as we um, encourage everybody to help Amudim. Amazing organization. If you think back to its beginnings, uh, it has grown to an effort that has uh, saved lives, has saved families, and in many ways has really uh, saved important parts of our community. Um, we have a chance to support it this coming Sunday and Monday. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos on this Parsha's Mikates as we continue at JM in the AM. Um, let's see, before we go to our closing theme, I want to remind everybody that this coming Tuesday, we have our own Giving Tuesday going on in Woodmere. I've got to get a bagel. We'll be there from 6 a.m. to 11 a.m. Make sure to join us during that five-hour presentation, social distancing and more. All the regulations will be adhered to, of course. And um, that happens this coming Tuesday. We encourage you to to give and to be part of it. Um, our friends at uh, Art Scroll remind you that there is a uh, promo code radio, and everything is 20, all titles are 20% off, no minimum, free shipping with promo code radio. Go to artscroll.com, go to artscroll.com again, use promo code radio. You will be glad you did. It's a, an amazing way to save and a great opportunity to get all the publications you want. Artscroll.com, including all the brand new books. Make sure to use promo code radio. Also want to remind everybody that the One is Real Fund has their big event coming up on Tuesday, December the 29th. That begins at 8 p.m. It's the We Are One live entertainment live show for One is Real Fund. This audience knows how important the One is Real Fund is. I look forward to being there. Elizabeth Savetsky will be there. God Elbaz will be there. Naftali Bennett, Caroline Glick, Oded Ravivi, and many more. Honorees include Dr. Emma Laskin and Bart Baum, Amichai Luri from the Shiloh Winery, Rebecca and Gabe Boxer. Uh, Gloria and Morris Grove will be memorialized, with their award being accepted by the Grove, Oppenheimer, and Pollock families. And the Yedid Yesha awardees are 12th graders at SKA Halb High School for Girls. Hannah, Talia, Molly, Isabella, and Ariel will all be recognized that night. Information, oneisrealfund.org, oneisrealfund.org. Time to say good Shabbos journeys at JM in the AM.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Friday and a great week here at uh, JM and the AM. Hanukkah week. Thanks for spending it with us. Monday morning, we're back starting at 6 a.m., but don't forget, coming up next, we've got great music for you. Plus, at 10 a.m., Mark Zomik with the Arab Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Plus, the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Plus, the final hour at 3 p.m., brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Saturday Night Siegel tomorrow night with Avrami and Rabbi Eliezer's Wickler. And Sunday, Matis, JM Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. live, as only Matis could do it, and I thank him. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future. (laughs) 